So the Cobalt Challenge is that if you go out and look at the infrastructure of the planet, of what's going on in big banks, what's going on in governments and things like that, you will find a lot of very old code and COBOL's the easy one to pick on, where there's a lot of systems that still use this very old code. Now, why I call it the challenge is if you go and look at what universities and colleges and uh, online training courses are teaching, they're all teaching the latest and greatest language or the latest and greatest framework. And when I'm ever asked, what should someone concentrate on as a developer if they want work? Well, to a certain extent, yes, you can go and learn the latest thing. It means that you can do the latest cool thing. But in reality, perhaps it makes a lot more sense to go and learn something like COBOL because there's always going to be work there because no one else is specialising in it. Mobile workforces, cloud applications, and digitalization are changing every aspect of the modern enterprise. And with radical transformation come new business risks. Welcome to Hybrid Identity Protection, the premier podcast for cybersecurity pros charged with defending hybrid identity environments. Presented by Semperis, the pioneers of identity-driven cyber resilience for the hybrid enterprise. And now, here's your host, 15-time Microsoft MVP and Active Directory security expert, Sean Doobie. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HIP Podcast. My guest today is Oren Thomas. Oren is a principal cloud advocate for Microsoft, where he focuses on designing, creating, and delivering content for IT pro and operations-focused audiences for on-premises, hybrid, and in the cloud. Now, what that means to you for IT pros is that he's your friend. He is working on... he He's finds the gaps between what's in the Microsoft doc and what's going on in Microsoft and talking to you about what IT pros need today. And he works to fill that gap. So I'm sure all of us that work in the Microsoft space recognize what a what, a, what an essential service you're doing, Oren. He's also a prolific author with more than 40 books published for Microsoft Press, and he has a mean spaceship model collection, I happen to know. Oren and I also go back to the Windows IT Pro days, uh, way back in the day. Absolutely, it was. And I think we even go back to the Windows NT Mag days, I think, it, because it changed names a couple of times while we were there. So Yeah, that's right. That's kind of an interesting lead-in that has to do with the situation IT finds itself in nowadays in skill sets, what you described as the velocity of IT. And so he was sort of two things. He called it the COBOL challenge. Describe what the COBOL challenge is in the context of IT pro work today and Active Directory. Okay, so the COBOL challenge is that if you go out and look at the infrastructure of the planet, of what's going on in big banks, what's going on in governments and things like that, you will find a lot of very old code and COBOL's the easy one to pick on. There's a lot of systems that still use this very old code. Now, why I call it the challenge is if you go and look at what universities and colleges and uh, online training courses are teaching, they're all teaching the latest and greatest language or the latest and greatest framework. 
And when I'm ever asked, what should someone concentrate on as a developer if they want work? Well, to a certain extent, yes, you can go and learn the latest thing. It means that you can do the latest cool thing. In reality, perhaps it makes a lot more sense to go and learn something like COBOL because there's always going to be work there because no one else is specialising in it. And where that comes across to IT Pro is that IT systems tend to have a much longer lifespan than most people appreciate. And what we're seeing is that there are many, many, many organisations that are running systems that might be 10 or 15 years old that require people to have an understanding of how those systems work. Whereas all of the training material and all of the the easily accessible tutorials that might be sitting on YouTube or third-party sites are all concentrating on what's brand new and what's just been released because everybody wants to capture that I'm going to teach to this brand new feature so that I can become the expert on this new feature. But what we've ended up with, there's a lot fewer people coming in at the sort of the, uh, at the start of the funnel who are learning those skills on the older systems because they're being taught skills on the newer systems. What that's meaning is that the people that run those older systems tend to be older people. And at some point, that's actually going to be a challenge because it's pretty likely that those older systems are going to be around a lot longer than the people that are managing them. Um, The average age of an IT pro is somewhere in the mid-40s. And a lot of the systems that they manage might be 10 or 15 years old if they're especially working in the the on-prem world. Again, there's a completely separate world in the cloud where it's much younger people who are or there's some older people, of course, who are, who are more our vintage working in the cloud, but their skill set is moving at a much higher velocity. Being on, in one particular area, the distributed application that, as I like to say, is old enough to drink is a perfect example of that Active Directory. The people that have the serious Active Directory skills and really understand the application very, very well tend to be a little bit older because I talk to a lot of companies we definitely get folks coming in at it younger, but what we have found is that the depth of skill set is not as deep as when the, the product uh, was in its earlier days. There are probably not as many Greenfields Active Directory deployments around because to an extent, all of that territory had been captured, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. So a lot of people, when we were getting in with Active Directory, because you and I were around when it was first introduced and we were learning and transitioning systems from NT4 across to Windows 2000. So we had to learn it from the ground up. But a lot of people coming in today, as as you said, uh, when we were doing it, you know, a lot of people that uh, finished university now weren't even born. So we had to have a a particular understanding of it. They're coming into work in environments and they might be working with an active directory environment that's been in place for more than a decade that's got its own idiosyncrasies. And because people are very reluctant to deep dive into an existing technology rather than a new technology, because if you're going to invest time in your career, you sit there and think, well, what am I going to be able to use in the next 30 years? 
there's probably not going to be so many greenfields deployments of on-prem AD, but the training's also, and the information's not necessarily there about how do you actually understand an existing AD instance that you need to maintain. It's sort of like, I guess, plumbing. If you were learning plumbing, you're probably learning a lot about outfitting a new house, but the skills that a plumber has to go into an existing house and to fix and renovate the plumbing in an existing house are probably slightly different and a slightly more difficult thing because it's harder to keep something that's already in motion going than it is to sort of start from scratch. You know, one of the aspects of that is, so you have somebody coming in, and as you say, pretty much most of the Active Directory installations that are already out there, they're not coming out fresh unless you're doing a rebuild or you're doing a merger or an acquisition or something like that. And so you come in and you may have some Active Directory skills and you look at this environment and you go, why on earth is this like that? Is it configuration drift? Is it that somebody just had to do something in a hurry? Was it something malicious that's been left behind? Or is it really there for a reason? It's the age-old problem. It's when you see something that doesn't make sense. It's, uh, there's a philosophical problem called Chesterton's fence, which is that if you come across a fence on a walk, you shouldn't remove it until you understand why it was put there in the first place. And with configurations and with things like Active Directory or any IT system, when you come in and you see something that doesn't make sense, you're in a bind because part of you is thinking someone's done something very dumb here or someone's done something very brilliant here and you don't know whether or not something is dumb or it's brilliant until you've pulled on the thread and you see what happens, especially <laughs> if the person who did it has been gone for five or ten years or may not even remember why they've done it. And as much as we'd like to, again, when you're learning about how to put together an Active Directory environment, you're learning about all of the best practices. And when we're talking about cloud adoption, we've got all of these adoption frameworks on how to do it properly. But the reality is if you're coming into an existing environment, someone's already made choices and compromises, and it's very difficult to assess whether or not those have been done for excellent reasons or they've been done because I just need to get it to work. It's five o'clock on a Friday and I need to go home to my family. I'm just going to put in place this temporary measure. And the IT industry is full of temporary measures that have been in production for decades. Right. Well, that is, there's, there is no such thing as not in production, right? Exactly. Or there's no such thing as temporary. No, it would be nice to think that every time we made a change to an environment, we were sitting there thinking, oh, okay, how is this going to play in 10 years' time? But in reality, IT is often very reactive. And in being reactive, it means that decisions are made and sometimes the, the long-time consequences of those decisions are not understood for a long time. Those configuration choices can be quite incomprehensible to someone in the future. And that's why sometimes with Active Directory specifically, it can make sense, as you said, a migration where someone goes, well, we've got this existing forest and we don't know why some of it is why it is. And then let's go and put in a new forest and try and migrate it across. And there's a, a really good book called Overcomplicated. Um, 
I can't think of who the author is at the moment. And in that book, the person who wrote it said they were looking at the IRS's uh, systems. And every time the IRS tried to do a new project to replace their existing systems, what they found was it would do 90% or 95% of what the previous system was. But because they didn't have a full understanding of what the previous system was, there was this sort of gap where the previous thing wasn't covered. So when you go and do a new implementation of something, there's sometimes a good reason why the old implementation was why it was. And you might not understand that until you've moved to the new system. And then suddenly you find that that existing functionality is no longer present. And that's the moment that you understand, oh, damn, I should have actually done that thing because that was actually a, a business critical function. It's sort of like, you don't find out that it was, you know, Joe Blow down in the, the branch office that's down in Adelaide was actually using a thing for a really important business critical thing. But because the whole system wasn't well documented, no one understood that until that thing went away. And then you've sort of got to figure out a way of dealing with that particular contingency. Right. Well, and another way of looking at it is, well, gee, the people that came before me weren't as dumb as I originally thought they were. No, it's like that old quote, I think it was Samuel Clements, who said, when I was 18, I thought my father was an idiot. But by the time I was about 40, I realized he knew a few things. I use that often uh, on my son. Because of this work you're doing, you have also surfaced, uh, you've done a lot of work recently on a new certification that better reflects the work that IT pros are doing today in the hybrid environment, it's a pretty big deal. Do you want to tell us about it, please? We've just announced, we being Microsoft, has just announced a Windows Server Hybrid Admin Associate certification. So again, you and I uh, got certified, me going back to NT4, and then onwards from there. Microsoft recently has been doing a lot of very cloud-focused certifications, but one of the roles of a cloud advocate, which is what my role is at Microsoft, is to advocate to and on behalf of an audience. And what we've recognised was that we have a substantive on-prem audience who isn't ready to make the full jump to the cloud. We had, I think it was Jason Zander said at Ignite, I think it was uh, 18 months ago, was that hybrid was recognised as a state that a lot of organisations wanted to transition to. So what the certification does is it looks at all of those core Windows server skills that would have been in a 2016 or a 2012 or a 2008 certification, but then adds the appropriate hybrid technologies because something that's happened with Windows Server is as Windows Server's developed over the years, it's included more and more hybrid technologies. If you've used Windows Admin Center, you'll know straight from Windows Admin Center is it can go and connect it to an Azure subscription. And then the moment you connect it to an Azure subscription, there's all of these extra things that you can light up. So the idea of the certification was to take all of those core pillars of managing an on-prem network and to cover that, but also to cover how you can extend and improve all of that functionality by plugging it into the relevant hybrid services in Azure. Because Microsoft obviously has had a very large on-prem customer base. And Azure was always designed to complement 
on-prem, in some cases replace on-prem, but that the idea was that it would be a natural fit for your on-prem Windows Server focused. And of course, you've got heterogeneous workloads running on-prem. And what the certification tries or attempts to do is it covers the topics in a way of, and a role-based certification is all about how do you solve these problems? So how do you solve a particular problem? And sometimes the solution's going to be on-prem. Sometimes the solution's going to require hybrid technologies. Sometimes the solution's going to involve completely being in the cloud. The frame of the certification is to understand where on the continuum you lie at a particular point in time with a particular problem, rather than saying the entire solution to your problem is in the cloud or your entire solution to the problem is on-prem. It's about finding that balance. It's coming back to what we were talking about, about looking at an environment where you can say, okay, I can do a completely greenfield, throw it all out and start again. But in doing so, I'm going to lose something. Whereas what most organizations have done is that they've built up an IT environment that very much suits their needs. So how do we integrate cloud so that those needs are even better met rather than saying, pick the whole thing up, chuck it over here, and then figure out how it meets your needs using this completely new set of technologies instead of growing into those new technologies. Right. Yeah. The, the phrase I think of is throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Yes. Um, whereas what you want to do is give the baby a bigger bath. Right. Uh, exactly. And so what you're saying is the certification recognizes the fact that there are hybrid answers to hybrid issues and hybrid skill sets to solve them. Yes, and very much, rather than your only option is to shift. What you should always be doing is you should be using the appropriate tools to make your organisation as successful as it needs to be. And those, in some cases, are hybrid technologies. I'd been working with cloud for some time, but it was really, for me, there was one technology, which was Azure File Sync that really showed how hybrid solved a problem that on-prem people had without forcing them or directing them to go all the way to the cloud. And by clicking in Azure File Sync, what you were getting was you were getting file servers where instead of having to go in and muck out the file server every couple of months because it was just filled up with files that nobody accessed anymore, what it was doing was continuously replicating the contents of that file service to the cloud. And then when a file wasn't being used for a certain amount of time, it was tearing that up to the cloud. So that if someone went to open that file that hadn't been accessed for some time, it would replicate back down from the cloud. But from the user's perspective, you weren't having to retrain them. You weren't having to teach them anything new. It just looked like a normal file server with infinite storage. But it was a, it's a beautiful technology because it does suddenly make, instead of you, you know, adding to the sand and adding all of this stuff that you needed to back up, even though you knew that 90% of it was never going to be accessed again, it sort of takes that away from you. And then suddenly you've got this technology that's fully integrated but it's integrated in such a way that it's not obvious to the end user or to anybody else other than the administrator what's actually going on in the background. And that sort of seamless integration with the cloud is wonderful because it solves a problem that people have got in a way that they're not, they might, you know, the end user's not even aware of. 
Right, right. And you, as you were describing it, I was racking my brain because I remember that technology. It, the company's name was Store Simple. Yes, that, so that, that, that was where part of it, and there used to be an appliance, and then eventually it's just migrated straight onto your file server. So instead of right. you know directing people over to a new appliance, the best way of doing it is what have people used for the last 25, 30 years to store their files? They've used a file server. So if you, from an end user's perspective, because they've got this sort of, this institutional knowledge of how to go and do things. It's like, well, if I need to go and share this, you know, some people, they're fine going and put it in on SharePoint, but for some people, the shared folder and it's got a structure and they know how to navigate it and they can do all of that and you're not having to retrain your users to use a whole different set of things. They can go and find it. But what you've done is you've plugged this back-end technology onto it that suddenly makes that file server infinite storage. And it takes a lot of the stress out of your life as an administrator because you're not... I know that all the time I would be sitting there looking at the file server going, okay, it's growing at, you know, X megabytes or, you know, back back then, X megabytes per week. And I'd know that every so many months I'd have to come through and make a decision about what I was going to take off the file server. And I'd have to think about how do I store that? Do I move it off site? Because at some stage, someone's always going to come back and ask me, where is that file that I had three years ago? And and can you give me access to that file? Because we really need it for X, Y, or Z. And with Azure File Sync, it's like, well, they don't need to ask me because it's already there. It's just tiered up to the cloud. Right, and the magic happens in the background. Yes. And so using that frame was about, and then thinking about certification, it wasn't let's just just talk about hybrid. But let's talk about the core technologies and then understand where they extend into the cloud and then when they can be replaced by the cloud. But taking it very much from the frame of how do you really grow into hybrid rather than a sort of a rip it up and shove it across approach? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say that it started out, of course, everything was on-prem and then cloud came there and everybody preached public cloud, public cloud, public cloud. And then we realized, well, that won't solve everything. And then everybody preached private cloud, private cloud, private cloud, and see how many people have private clouds nowadays. And And now everyone's hybrid. Yeah, because there is no one size fits all. Every organization's needs are very different. So the best thing to do is to give people the tools to solve their problems in the way that makes their organization most successful. And to be prescriptive in that we teach you how to use the technology, but we're really giving you the toolbox to figure out how you want to build out the solution that suits your organization rather than very prescriptive. Like if you're doing a Greenfields deployment, absolutely. We've got amazing guidance on how you do it there. But a lot of organizations have got something existing and they they only have the budget to make incremental modifications. And if you're taking an incremental approach to cloud, hybrid's a perfect way to do it because all you're doing is you're moving along a path towards something and you figure out where on that path your organization needs to be. Well, final thought is when do you think, is the certification available now or when will it become available? So my understanding, and I am not worldwide learning, is that there will be a beta 
sometime in the November or December timeframe. That will be announced on the Worldwide Learning blog as to when those beta slots become available and it's definitely a first in best dressed scenario. Once the beta is done and all of the telemetry from the beta is analysed and all of the psychometrics is done, then at some time, maybe December, maybe January, also, I'm not sure, those exams will be announced as something that you can go and take at the testing centre. There's two exams. The first exam is AZ800, and that deals with core technologies such as identity, storage, management, compute, and networking. And then there's a second exam, AZ801, which is really a companion exam. And that covers the, we've called it the advanced services. And that's really, you kind of need your core stuff and then you move on to your advanced services, which is things like security, high availability, disaster recovery, monitoring, troubleshooting, and migration. So all of the stuff that once you understand, you know, how Active Directory works or you've demonstrated you understand how that works, storage works and networking, we can start to worry about sort of HA, DR, backup, migration and troubleshooting. Right. right. And and where should they go again to, to keep track of the status of this? You mentioned worldwide learning. Yeah. So if you just look for the MS Learn blog uh, on your favorite search engine, you'll be able to find that blog. And that's where all of the official announcements are made. And there's also a Microsoft Learn Twitter account that tends to promote uh, this sort of stuff. But generally, this information gets out amongst the IT community. So if you follow the right people on your social media platform of choice, you'll generally find out about when, where and when these things are going to happen. And one of them might be you because your extremely complicated Twitter account is Orin Thomas. Yes, exactly. I was lucky enough to get on Twitter. There are other Orin Thomases in the world, but I really? was lucky to be, yes, um, most of them are in America, funnily enough. It's an unusual enough name that I managed to grab that real estate and so easy enough to find. Well, thanks, Orin. I really appreciate it. It's good to, it's good to catch up again and it's really it's interesting to hear about the the progress that is being made and and for certifications to recognize you know the world and that's what this whole talk has been about the world that IT pros live in versus necessarily someone in Microsoft thinking about the next big thing and while we're everyone on prem is in hybrid is still trying to as Brian Valentine used to say keep the lights green the fundamental philosophy of a role-based certification is it's providing a certification for the stuff that you are doing rather than the stuff that the product that we want you to buy actually does. And we know back in the 90s, we saw some certifications, not from Microsoft, but from other vendors that were literally taken from the pages of their product catalogue, like what product has this particular set of features? Whereas a good role-based certification, someone who attains one of those is attesting to skills that people are using in their real-world jobs. And that's what employers are looking for. They're not looking for someone who's got a theoretical understanding of a set of technologies that they might be implementing in future. They're looking for someone who's actually got understanding of how to solve the problems that they've got today. Right. Great. Well, thanks very much, Oren. Uh, it was a good time, as always. Actually, Oren is planning to speak at our uh, Global Hip Conference in December, 
and he'll be talking about Active Directory and IT Pro topics. And you'll definitely want to catch it because he's a very experienced speaker. Thanks again. Thanks, Matt. Have a great one. Thanks for joining us on the Hybrid Identity Protection Podcast with Sean Duby. Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Visit hipconf.com. That's H-I-P-C-O-N-F.com to learn about upcoming events, view expert presentations, and take part in the conversation.